0: The following podcast is a presentation of Liberty Christian Fellowship, loving God and loving people in a hurting world. For more information about our church, visit us online at libertyobx.com. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and Instagram for updates and encouragement. We hope this message inspires you and blesses you. Now prepare your hearts to hear a powerful word from God. God bless. We're going to talk about... Sabbath rest this morning. <clears throat> there's, there's a sense in which rest is something that's near and dear to everybody's heart. You know, there's a saying, I'd rather be napping. It's a, it's a saying that's popular with folks my age. <clears throat> That's sort of in the idea of Sabbath rest, but that is not the whole idea of Sabbath rest. So, we're going to explore Sabbath rest a little bit. If you've got a Bible, we're going to be starting out in Mark chapter 2. Oh, there's the koala, right. That is not Sabbath rest. In fact, that picture is barely appropriate for this sermon. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry about that. But he's kind of cute. He is kind of cute. Mark chapter 2. We're looking at verses 23 through 28. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now, all three of the synoptic gospel writers, all the gospels except John, contain this story in it. So from that, I think we can deduce it's something we need to listen to. I like Mark because Mark is sort of a man of few words. Mark's gospel is the shortest gospel. And I don't know if you knew this, but Mark himself was a companion of Peter uh, and actually was his personal secretary. And it was Mark, when he wrote his gospel, what he's doing is he's writing down while Peter is in Rome... Peter is dictating to Mark his experiences for the three years that he was with Jesus. So, we're sort of really close to the horse's mouth here. And he is a man of few words. I want you to notice something about this passage. So, verse 25, the Pharisees are getting All bent out of shape, that these guys are picking heads of grain while they go along. And Jesus kind of tweaks their noses a little bit and he says, Have you never read what David and his companions did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? He said this to the Pharisees Have you never read? Well, this is a story out of 1 Samuel chapter 21, the story about David and and picking the heads of grain. These guys had not only read it, they had memorized it. They knew their story backwards and forwards. So Jesus is giving them a little of this, saying, have you never read? His point was, while they may have read the story and they may have memorized the story, They've missed the point completely. The Jewish rabbis had made up about 600 interpretations and rules to help folks get through the Ten Commandments. That that was a great help to everybody. But a lot of the rules had to do with this keeping of the Sabbath. And in this particular case... They had come up with the following rules. On the Sabbath, you cannot reap, you cannot thresh, you cannot winnow, and you cannot prepare food. And in the Pharisees' eyes, he had them, they had him four ways to Sunday here. They were reaping, they were threshing, they were winnowing, and they were preparing food. And Jesus is telling them, You've completely missed it, boys. But to understand this concept of the Sabbath, we really have to go back almost to the beginning, to Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Let's go there. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Let me ask you something. Was God exhausted? Did it? I mean, were they getting towels for his forehead? I don't think so. I mean, he had it done pretty awesome work with this universe out of nothing. That's pretty awesome. But since he's limitless and all-powerful, he wasn't breaking a sweat. He spoke, and it leapt into existence. So the issue is not his need for rest as we think of rest. So what is he talking about? Go back one chapter into chapter one of Genesis and you'll remember in the account of creation, there's six days. On each day he creates something different, but each time, starting with let there be light, what's the next thing he says? It's good. It's like, let there be light. Whoa, that is good. Right? Six times. He didn't go from one thing to the other. He stops at each one. And surveys what's been created. And says, whoa, that is good. Do we do that? Hold that thought. So if the idea is not physical rest, well, let me me ask you this then. You folks spend a third of your life unconscious, blind, and completely helpless meaning nighttime when you sleep why do you think god made it that way the animals sleep scientists will tell you that plants sleep <clears throat> i've never been able to tell whether one was awake or asleep <laughs> myself but i'm not i don't have a green thumb but this seems to be part of the natural order of things. When God made the woman, how did he do it? He put the man to sleep, deep sleep, Scripture says. Now, this is before all the bad stuff happens. So this is all part of the natural order of things. A third of our lives he has ordained We'll be in rest, right? So I don't know if there's anybody in here who's 75 years old. But if there is, you've been asleep 25 years. <laughs> if, if you're 12 years old, you've been asleep four years, right? If you're 24, you've been asleep eight years. The math is getting harder for me now. (laughs) But you get the idea. This is a big chunk out of everybody's life. What is he trying to tell us? What's the issue he's getting to? So if we go a little beyond Genesis 2 now to Genesis 3 everything starts to come a cropper, doesn't it? The whole thing falls apart. And humanity has decided that rather than rest in obedience to the all-powerful Creator, they're going to do it their way. And I don't know how many generations later... We're in that same curse. We're going to do it our way. That's all well and good, but that puts pressure on you. You better be able to justify your existence. You better be able to do it well. You better be able to control the outcomes, right? Because you're God now. I'm God now. That's the crux of the problem. It's not work itself. If we look at Genesis 2.15, Genesis 2.15 says, the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So God has made work part of his holy creation. You can't separate them. And part of the mission of man, to work that creation. So the problem is not work itself. Is it the amount of work? Well, we can read in the scriptures of cases where Jesus himself pulled all-nighters. He worked all day, and he stayed up doing his work all night. The day before, he called the 12 to himself. In Luke's gospel, it tells us that he went up to a mountainside and was awake and praying to his father all night about those 12 decisions. In John chapter 6, it tells us that after he fed 5,000 Men, plus how many thousands of women and children, we don't know. From five loaves and two fish, the apostles skedaddled back to Capernaum in a boat. Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, looked out in the middle of the night, saw they were struggling against the waves, and walked out to them and saved them and brought them safely to shore. So he was working that night. So, the issue can't be the quantity of work. The issue is an issue of our hearts and our approach to work because of the brokenness that exists in us. Business and burnout is not an issue with our schedules. It's an issue in here. And what he has done all the way back in chapter 2 is show us the importance of Sabbath rest, a deep spiritual rest, which he ordains is integral to our nature, Integral to his nature. And part of his kingdom. And his message is we go to him for that. I'm going to relate a short personal testimony of my own about this whole situation. Which might help to bring it home for you. Um... In the year 2000, low, 17 years ago, I was at, uh, working as the chief financial officer of an industrial minerals mining company. We specialized in big holes in the ground. <laughs> and this company was very aggressive, and aggressively went all around the world to seek and purchase and integrate mining operations from all over the place. Australia to South America, and Scandinavia, all over. In November of 2000, we were involved with the largest merger acquisition project we had ever been involved with. Huge risk, huge money. I don't remember the money, but it's Close to a billion dollars. And most of this work on a transaction like this fell to my group. The person who had been my right-hand man uh, had resigned about two weeks before we got involved with this. And so, me being a good um, master of the universe, Decided I would just take all of this on myself. And we be- began to work through this thing. And of course, in order to maintain my reputation as a master of the universe, it required more and more uh, effort. And so my, my weeks went from 40-hour weeks to 60-hour weeks. Then there were 60-hour weeks plus Saturday. Then they were 60-hour weeks, plus Saturday, plus Sunday. One morning, shortly before Thanksgiving, um, I was in the gym working out to reduce my stress. And uh, got this burning sensation in my chest. I didn't think of anything of it. Got dressed, went to work, and sat down at my desk at work, 7.30 in the morning. Now it was like an elephant had sat down right in the middle of my chest. Couldn't breathe, couldn't do anything. I was having a big heart attack. They were able to uh, get an ambulance, and they carried me out of there. And I remember riding in the ambulance to the hospital, looking up at the ceiling, the white ceiling of the the ambulance. All the voices were fading away, you know, voices like, we're losing this guy, you know. (laughs) Um, They were starting to fade away, but I heard a voice, a voice that was very strong. It it wasn't audible, but it, it spoke to my spirit in my head and it was unmistakable. It was unmistakable. And the voice said, your heart has become disordered. That's what your problem is. But you're not going to die today. Because I have work still for you to do. But you've, your heart is disordered. You've got to rearrange who is important and what is important. It was less than a year later that the Lord, by his grace, gave us uh, a beautiful redhead who's now 18, Becca. So what the voice was telling me, the voice of the Holy Spirit, is I'm gonna show you what's important, grab hold of it, Um, and, you know, physically, they, they did the Roto-Rooter thing. They stuck a stamp in there. I'm fine. I'm fine. But the the point I want you to understand is this happened gradually. It was like slicing a salami. I didn't really seem like anything was getting out of kilter. You know? I... I was just doing sort of what I had to do. But incrementally, I was turning away from him and becoming completely absorbed in this work, which ultimately had no meaning. That's the distinction that he's trying to show us between Sabbath rest in our own busy lives. Because in our culture today, the pressure is enormous, regardless of your calling. Um, If you own a business, you're being saddled with more and more regulations, more and more forms to fill out, which leaves you less and less time to add the value to your customers that you want to be adding. That trickles down, those of you who are employees, that trickles down to employees. Because you're being asked to produce more and more, often with less and less resources. If you're a fisherman, the regulations are actually keeping you from doing your work. If you're a young person, the pressure is pr- maybe worst of all because it has to do with your proving yourself to belong to a group or to win a friend. What about these things? Now, Man, in his wisdom, has invented stuff to where you can work anywhere. So, what do we do? We work everywhere. Right? Jesus has an answer. His answer is John chapter 6, verses 27 to 29. He's given us guidance about work. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So these folks then ask him, then they ask him, what must we, we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus' answer is pretty simple. The work of God is this to believe in the one he has sent. John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5. Jesus says, Remain in me and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So there it is. Two things. Pretty simple things. Believe in him and remain. Some translations I have the word abide, abide in him. That means keep believing. Stay close to him. Stay in him. Let him stay in you. He is the most precious thing in your life. He is the most precious thing in the universe. Remain in him. But if we do those two things, and by the way, we can't do them. They're gifts. They're gifts of the Holy Spirit. Believe in him and who he is and remain in him and who he is. Matthew 11, and this is, we're getting close to the end here. You'll be glad to know. Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29. And Jesus sums it up pretty well here. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. See, the gym is good. That's a good thing. Okay. Yoga classes, they're good. That's good. Breathing exercises, that's good. Saunas, those are good. <laughs> but he says, come to me. Not come to yoga class. Come to me. All of this restlessness that we feel and unrest, spiritually, is manifest in physical unrest. And there's a lot of physically unrested folks out in the world that need to hear this. He's appointed us to take this word to him. You know, part of this, it goes back to Genesis 3 and our need to justify ourselves. But he's already justified you. You don't need to justify yourself. First of all, you can't justify yourself. But you don't need to. He already did. Paul says it specifically. The way he justified us is by the work that he did for us. And I want to leave you with this now. Just ask you to, to look in your mind's eye now at that cross and the man hanging on that cross and the pain that he's in and the writhing, and the restlessness, and the unrest, the infinite unrest that he's experiencing, that's your unrest that he's taken on himself. That's how he justified you. Your restlessness, he's already dealt with. He's taken it. You don't need it anymore. If there are folks here this morning who are experiencing that restlessness, who have not yet found the rest that he offers, I'd invite you to come down here and speak to one of our prayer servants, one of our pastors, or one of our elders, and let them pray with you and help you start this process and believe with you that he is going to lift that restlessness from you. And I would ask all of you that one of the most dangerous occupations in the world, one of the most dangerous callings for this kind of risk and burnout is in ministry. So I would ask you that you would pray for each of our pastors, for John, for Scott, for Pastor Catherine, for Pastor Jamie, for Corey and Haley, for everybody in ministry in this church who gives of themselves. Because the risk of unrest is great in that calling. But let's... I don't know, Scott, if you're going to come... Oh, Richard, that's even better. No offense. <laughs> the, the altar is open. and. Um, Really, I'd invite you to refresh yourself here. Okay? Thank you all.